The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have another awesome interview for you today. I have internationally renowned yoga teacher, Kim Tang. So we have a lot of good stuff to talk about because over the years, you know, I've talked and interviewed so many guests and a lot of times it comes up with my health and things that I've done to overcome my health issues. Well, my spirituality, my connection to the earth, my connection to people, those things are so often overlooked, but has been a vital part of my recovery. So if you're looking to get healthier, you're looking to get fit, you're looking to be the best version of yourself, please do yourself a favor. Do not overlook the importance of your spirituality. Do not overlook the importance of positive energy. Do not overlook those things because you will never be the best version of yourself. So yeah, so what topics are we going to talk about? The importance of breath work. I've talked about that so many times. So we're going to get deeper into that topic today. The connection between yoga and spirituality. What can we do to elevate our lives? And of course, what other craziness comes out of my mind today, right? So get ready for this episode. But before we begin, and before I get Kim on, I want to remind everyone that I have the Zika recommendation page. Page you can click on and get access to products that I've recommended for health, fitness, weight loss, and so much more. And of course, I have the discount code on those page so you can get discounts on some fantastic products. But I'll make sure that that page is in the description of the episode. And with that being said, Kim, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. What a pleasure to be here and to know you. You too, my friend. You too. I'm glad that we made this connection. And with that being said, tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, my name is Kim Tang. And if I were to describe to you what I'm going to call how I serve, which is what most people call what I do, <laughs> I would describe my life as like a Venn diagram. A Venn diagram, for those who don't know, is two circles side by side, except they're so close that there's an overlap in the middle. And on one side of the circle is all things yoga. And on the other side, the other circle is all things spirit. And then, of course, the greater part of the overlap for those who know that the two are one and the same. And so I serve in many ways on the level of yoga with an entire video platform, private sessions, in-person events, and uh, certification programs. 
And on the spirit side, I do satsang, podcasts like this, intuitive spiritual counsel, quantum healing, hypnosis technique, alchemy meditation, alchemy of breath, uh, and in-person events. And I do it all here. Oh, yeah. Uh, interestingly, or uh, I'm delighted. It's funny to me that I do it here at our small private event center in the high desert of Southern California called Yakashala. So there's that Y in the S again. It's throughout my life. Couldn't be much better than that. Couldn't be much better than that. I absolutely love that. And thank you for introducing my audience and letting me know a little bit more about your work. I have a question for you. So how long have you been doing uh, yoga and spiritual work? Mm-hmm. Well, the easy answer is 20 years. But the truth is that when I was 11 years old as a child, I was actually enrolled in the first uh, two years of metaphysical study, science of the mind. Uh, to become a science of the mind minister when I was 11. So I actually had a deep uh, intuitive calling early on. So the answer could be, it's always been there. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to hear, if not my favorite things to hear, because that's how I feel about even my calling with health and fitness is I've studied different things, um, including finance, economics, but health and helping people to become a better version of themselves has always been inside of me. And it's now I'm I, with the work that I'm doing now, I'm living my calling. And I love to see all the people living their calling because we overall help to make the world a better place. Because trust me, we have a lot of things running around here that we really don't need to be getting into. But let's get into the topic at hand, right? Because I want to talk about breath work at first, because yes. it, it can be a little confusing for a lot of people. So kind of explain to us what exactly is breath work and why is that important? Uh, thank you for starting with that question. Because it's the perfect segue into a very expansive conversation. So the easiest thing I would tell you is that the breath is the bridge between the mind and the body. And the breath is also access to your central nervous system. And so when we talk about what is breath work, breath work would be any, um, there's so many types, any conscious uh, awareness of and even guiding of your own breath as opposed to anything by default. So of course we breathe naturally as a function of the autonomic nervous system. We just breathe without having to think about it or try. But when we pay attention to how we breathe, we can actually conduct and guide the breath to meet a purpose. And that purpose can be, as I've already alluded to, Mastery of central nervous system. And what I mean by that is, if you're out in your life and an event takes place that's very triggering, whether you bear witness to an accident or maybe you're in an altercation with someone, if you're really staying connected to calm, deep breath in through the nose, out through the nose, then you're going to remain really calm and clear, even in the midst of something that would otherwise throw you off. And so we learn that on a yoga mat in class, I call it, learn it on the mat to use it in the life. But even beyond that, we can use different types of breath to promote theta states of meditation, to release trauma that's stored in our tissues, 
And frankly, even more than that, once the trauma is released, and I might call it spiritually, you've lightened your load, then we can go into things like kundalini activation. So, and all of that can be guided and accessed through the breath. That's powerful because I, even when I train my clients, I, when we're in a training session, I have to guide them on how to breathe because it's, mm-hmm. it's going to sound kind of crazy, but most people don't know how to breathe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I also teach them not just how to breathe in your sessions and when you're out of your sessions. And I talk to them about nose breathing, for example. Most of us breathe just naturally or and we breathe like that all the time and it drives me nuts. And my clients knows it drives me nuts when they do that and do and do not do that around me because I will kick you out of my out of my um out of my session. Like <laughs> I do I I I'm very purposeful on how you breathe because it's a very important part of your life. And there's a lot of science behind it, um, behind how we should breathe and why we should breathe a certain way. And that's something that you need to, if you're not familiar with, you can buy a book on or work with an expert like Kim, because it can definitely transform how you even respond to things when you breathe. Like when we realize that when we, when we, when we hyperventilate, when we're, we're, we're anxious about something and we hyperventilate and we're pushing our body into that, um, into our, um, fight or flight systems, right? Because, and how we're breathing can get us back into our rest and digest system. How we breathe before we eat can improve our digestion, which we know digestion is a vital part of, of our health, right? So we really got to learn those things. I mean, how we breathe can even, in fact, if, if you get heartburn after you eat your food, like it's so many things that's connected to that, that we really need to learn. So thank you, Kim, for breaking that down, which, guides me into my next question because we want to talk about yoga right because we know that breathing is breath work is connected to spirituality and yoga like you just mentioned right so let's talk about what's the connection between yoga and spirituality and if you even want to connect breath work to that feel free to do so thank you i do want to connect breath work to that because my experience of course in the yoga realm is that we tell the students breathe through the nose just because we tell them to doesn't mean they know how And even if we tell them how, it doesn't mean they can yet. So if I were to just leave a little gift right here in this moment of the conversation, I would say that when we say to students, breathe through the nose, they misunderstand that to mean something like sniff into the sinuses. So they think that breathing in the nose means something like, and that's that's not it. So breathe through the nose is what I'm going to call in through the nose, through the throat, from the belly. And it makes even like a little hissing, hissing, snoring sound if you listen to it. And I don't know if you'll be able to catch this on the microphone, but I'm just going to take a long, slow, deep ep, uh, inhale in through the nose, through the throat, from the belly. And were you able to hear that? I could insert a little snoring sound into it. I'll do just one more. So listen to this. Can you hear that? 
So yeah, that's I heard that time. Yeah. Yeah. In through the nose, through the throat, from the belly. And that is a practice. And what you can do is start by putting your hand on your belly, left hand on the belly, right hand on the throat and finding a little snoring sound in the throat when you do it. So we can do better than just telling them breathe through your nose and then scolding them if they don't get it right. I spent a lot, 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 lot of time just sitting down with my students in the lobby, helping them just listen to me do it and listening to them try to find it and feel it. But that is not just game changing, but life changing. And again, it speaks to not just oxygenating your tissues, but also remember that vagal nerve response and the central nervous system and everything that you say about even acid reflux and uh, stress levels. Uh, it's all related to the breath. Super important. So now, thank you for that. Segwaying into how is yoga related to spirit, I would like to give at least three answers here that we then just expand upon. So first off, I'm going to give you a little background and tell you that I used to think that yoga was what I'm going to call spine centric. So first of all, there are some postures, some yoga postures that are very athletic, like the Utkatasana and the Garurasana and all these postures that really, frankly, just involve a lot of strength of your extremities. And I used to think, yeah, no, 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 it's all about the spine. So those aren't as important. And then I fully, and I do mean fully developed the spine. And then I had realization in the process of that, no, it's not even about the spine as much as it is about the mind. Yoga is mind-centric. And this is really backed by the ancient wisdom of the Bhagavad Gita that tells us that we have a left hemisphere of the brain and a right hemisphere of the brain. This starts to become a very important conversation. The left hemisphere of the brain is your connection to your humanity. And by that, I mean egoic identification of self as separate. And what I mean by that is the left hemisphere of the brain thinks and processes and communicates in, I'm going to call it spoken word or language, like we have these 26 letters of the alphabet, and we combine those to make words, and we combine those to make sentences, and we combine those to make paragraphs, and we combine those to make pages, chapters, the whole book. It's all very laborious. It The left hemisphere, the egoic construct, thinks in terms of a timeline as being linear, a past, a present, and a future. And by the way, it is present avoidant because the function of the ego is to perpetuate its survival. And so it reactivates history and projects it into a future, skipping the only thing that really is, by the way, which is who you are and where you are in truth in pure time presence. Okay, analytical, judgmental, scrutinous, separateness, and so on, and so on. The right hemisphere of the brain is your connection to your divinity, who you are in truth, where there is right here and only right here, right now and only right now. So as opposed to all of the fear-based separateness in the left hemisphere, we have pure love, and that pure being the operative word, pure love, 
pure truth, pure knowing, no fear, no separateness, and there's no linear timeline in pure time presence. If there was any type of uh, timeline, it would be depicting ascension, which would be kind of a, a ladder as opposed to a line. Um, and this aspect of who we are in truth through the right hemisphere doesn't require the letters and the words and the sentences and so on. It receives kind of like downloads, intuitions, energies, feelings, impressions. And those are the feelings that we can trust to tell us the truth. So we have the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, connection to humanity, connection to divinity. And when they are both in balance, then the sushumna, the energetic channel along the spine where the chakras reside, is open. And these energy centers, these aspects of being uh, on, from the causal plane, I'm not sure if we should get too much into that, uh, are really open and activated and thriving and so on and so on. So this is what we're doing. Those great sages sitting in the Himalayas, meditating, they're not doing nothing. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, not only are they not doing nothing, they actually are directing the flow of breath, the flow of energy through the spine. Which again, so I Go ahead, go ahead, Kim. So that they're seated higher in the chakras, in the in the third eye, the Christ itself. So they're literally directing the flow of energy through the spine, in and up, until they've attained self-realization. Tell me, tell me what you wanted to say. No, I was thinking about what you're saying about directing the breath through the body, and it just makes me think about something I've been taught, especially since I've been in, in health, is you can either be proactive or reactive, right? And most of us are reactive. Something happens and we trigger and we react to it versus if you can consciously control your breath, if you can control can consciously control how you react to things, it completely changes your life, which then makes me think about when you talk about balance between the left and the right hemisphere. So because I think a lot of my audience would be like, talking about balance, but I don't really, we hear that word a lot. Like, what does that really mean? So talk about what that balance is and how can that help us in our lives? Yeah, thank you. This is an expansive conversation. We're still kind of growing in into the shape of the conversation. And so I want to tell you that when you talk about controlling the breath and then being able to control reactions and things like that, that's actually where we're headed with it. You're super on point. And so this is the teaching of Yogananda, Paramansa Yogananda, in the essence of the Bhagavad Gita. Yogananda says that as we're directing flow of energy through the spine, any energy that is traveling up through the spine, through thoughts and feelings that are affirmative, like love, a gratitude, and true union. So these feelings make the energy travel up through the spine, anything that is rooted in that separateness that could be fear, greed, jealousy, resentment, anger, whatever it is, makes the energy go down in the spine. And by the way, this becomes very important. Things like distraction, 
diffuse the energy distally away from the spine and concentration brings the energy into the spine. And you could be concentrating just as easily on your breath, by the way. So when I say that these great sages and yogis are actually directing the flow of energy, what they're doing is moving the energy in and up until finally, alas, they're seated here in the Christed state. So what I wanted to kind of, the path I wanted to go on is the way in which concentration, this is connecting yoga with spirit, concentration facilitates meditation and meditation facilitates transformation. And I will tell you that in a yoga practice, well, how about this? Yeah, let's say it that way. For adults, there is no better way to learn how to concentrate than standing balancing postures in a yoga practice. So you have to concentrate to learn how to balance, concentrate on the balance, concentrate on the breath, and the concentration facilitates the meditation, and the meditation facilitates the transformation, and it brings you into a state of pure time presence, like where am I now, where am I now, in the way of the proprioception and keeping your balance, where am I now, and where am I now, and where am I now, and where am I now. And so this perpetual state of now, which by the way, remember is where, who you are in truth resides only in the pure time present moment. So if I were to take that into a more expansive conversation, I would say that this is the way in which the body is the learning device for the mind. So we're using the body as an object and we command you know, equilibrium through learning how to concentrate in a balancing posture for say, when the muscles are working very, very hard, and the heart is beating very, very fast. And yet, we're breathing in through the nose out through the nose and just that inner journey of realizing where am I in space, I'm breathing and a little bit right hip down, I'm breathing and push left shoulder, I'm breathing and right? And so this is all coming together in a yoga practice. And if I were to say, what are the four pillars? So <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's go into five aspects of mind and four pillars. So I want to like lay down as many tools as I can for the listeners. And so if you have paper handy, I'm going to give you five aspects of mind that we're cultivating in a practice. And then I'm going to give you four pillars that you can lean on in your path of spirituality. And by the way, everyone, if you don't have paper handy, pause the episode, go get your pen and paper. You <laughs> don't want to miss this stuff. Go ahead, Kim. Okay. So there are five qualities of mind that we are cultivating on a mat and they are self-control. By the way, you in your practice are supporting them in cultivating all of these aspects of mind, whether you know it or not. I know this to be true about you. So you and I have a lot of links here in what I'm getting ready to say, but let's get down the five and then the four. Self-control, determination, patience, faith, and concentration. So when I say to you, the body 
is the learning device for the mind. What I'm really saying is we use these postures. I like to say the postures don't even matter. And if you know my history, you know that those postures matter. They matter a lot. But the posture is just the tool we use to get there and the indication that we have. And the example that I'll give to you is a, is a tricky balancing posture called Dante Amana Janyasharasana, standing head to knee. And it's a standing balancing forward compression. And you have to be extraordinarily flexible to get into the position. And you have to be extraordinarily strong to hit it and hold it in stillness against gravity. Now, the posture is the tool that we use to cultivate concentration. And then when we can hit it and hold it in stillness against gravity, it is the indication that we have learned how to concentrate. So that's what I mean when I say the posture doesn't even matter. It's the tool we use to get there and the indication that we have, but that is the way in which the body is the learning device for the mind. And you can go through each of those aspects of mind and find examples within a practice of how you're learning, again, one more time, self-control, determination, patience, faith, and concentration. Okay, so another way, another way, another way in which yoga and spirit meld, they are one and the same. Uh, what I wanted to tell you is that there are four tools you can use. And by the way, having cultivated self-control, determination, patience, faith, and concentration, the natural response of that is that you can now stand on these pillars. And here they are, non-judgment non-attachment, non-reaction, and non-resistance. And when you are moving fluidly through your life in a state of pure time presence, and you're connected and centered and seated and grounded, connected to the breath, by the way, in every given moment, no matter the outside circumstances, then you're in that fluid state of non-judgment, non-attachment, non-reaction, and non-resistance. And that's when you can be far more deliberate about the creation of your life. So, and again, it's kind of the natural response that you've cultivated those aspects of mind and connection to central nervous system by keeping that breath, calm, deep breath in through the nose, out through the nose, through the throat, and from the belly. And by the way, when I said that you're able to be more deliberate about the creation of your life, what I'm talking about is, remember, I'm, I'm kind of like, I hope you can sense it. I'm kind of like saying the same thing in different ways, just to try to kind of uh, feed it through your brain in a way that you can really hear it. So what I love to coach in yoga is that you have the ability to stop, drop, and vortex, stop, drop, and vortex. And I call that command everything you need, more importantly, and nothing that you don't. So that being more deliberate about the creation of your life actually means being more deliberate about your own thoughts, about your own perceptions. And that is another way that the body is a learning device for the mind. That is powerful your time presence. Now, if you didn't get a pen and paper, rewind, get a pen and paper or a paper and paper, you know, pencil and paper, or if you want to write on your hand, however you want to do it. And I hope you don't write on your hand because you need to keep this information. 
Um, but so get, you know, go, go ahead and write this stuff down and really start to really think about what Kim brought to us in that particular part of the episode, because these are things that, like I said, to, to overcome my health issues to where I'm in my forties now, I'm off all my medications. My energy has, um, my spirituality learning these things has been a vital piece in that. And most people who have overcome health struggles can tell you that these tools have helped them significantly because we don't realize a lot of times when we get upset, you know, when we are, uh, when we get anxious, how these negative energies impact our body. Like I said, these go down, right? So how they impact us, how it impact our health. And we got to be very careful about that. How many times, even um, the, my favorite um, ad on TV is from Advent Health and all the guy's doing is laughing. Like he's just laughing and he laughs for like 10 seconds. And then after the, and doing the ad, it says, how laughter, laughter can, uh, can lower blood pressure. That's really like the, that's the, and that's the essential of the ad itself. And we, and we know how stress impacts us when we're yelling in traffic because someone's going slower than we want them to. We don't realize how that impacts our health and how long it takes us to respond to that and how our breathing pattern is thrown off by that. There's so many things that we just don't, we really need to learn to get ourselves to that next level. So please go back and write that down. And of course, if you want to get in touch with Kim, you will have, I will tell you at the end of the episode how you can do that. But before we go to the second half of the episode, we have some more like wonderful stuff that I'm going to bring to you, right? If, if, if you haven't loved what she's brought us already, or we, we still, she still, she still has more stuff that's going to blow your mind. But <laughs> I want to talk about one of my favorite companies. I want to talk about heal well the company is amino code that actually makes heal my apologies everyone but say heal is a hundred percent science-backed essential amino acid formulation designed to re reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair by helping you maintain a healthy inflammatory response so what am i talking about yes i'm talking about heal heal has a particular blend of essential aminos creatine along with whey protein concentrate. And that, and we know that not BCAs, all essential amino that your body needs, plus creatine, which has been studied for ever and ever. I mean, we know the, the benefits of creatine for performance, for mental health, so many things. I mean, back even before Arnold days, people be using creatine. I've always said that if there's one thing one supplement that I would always use and get rid of everything else is going to be creatine. But Heal, you don't have to choose. It has essential aminos and it has creatine, along with the whey protein concentrate, which are, which I drink as an intro workout. So it's like when I'm like 40, 45 minutes into my workout, I start to sip on it. Cause it helps me to bang through the second half of my workout because, you know, your boy goes hard in the paint when he's training. So, you know, I, I need that extra boost to get me to that next level. So I absolutely love Heal. The, um, there's a recent clinical trial that compared one scoop and two scoop amounts of heal with high quality whey protein and the net balance whole protein synthesis and breakdown were measured. And the response to heal was found to be three times larger than whey protein on a gram to gram basis, three times larger. And again, because of the proprietary blend, it was, it, it gives you those results. It's absolutely fantastic, right? Um, so go to the website is zikohealth.com slash zikohealth. You click on it. You see this handsome face just looking at you and you get 30% off 
they're fantastic products. I don't know if it's which 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 one is uh the better the better uh benefit, the handsome face or the thirty percent. I guess you'll figure that out for yourself. But yeah, you get thirty percent off their fantastic products, and I'll make sure that the website is in the description of episodes. So you can click on that, get your discount, and bang through your workouts. And with that being said, we're gonna move back in to the second half because again, Kim has some wonderful stuff for us. Cool, we're gonna talk about how to elevate. I mean, doesn't that sound great? Like just elevate, right? So let's talk about ele- elevating our lives, but not just elevating our lives, because I personally believe that is n- elevating ourselves is not enough. We have to elevate each other as a collective. So explain to us how, what can we do as individuals to elevate ourselves and also those around us? Thank you. Could I actually just piggyback on the heel freeform amino? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, I would also recommend for your vegetarian vegan listeners, which uh, this girl <laughs> is that uh, freeform aminos are an incredible source of protein, super efficient. Because if you take something like, um, for example, if you eat meat or some kind of a protein source that requires a lot of energy to metabolize. It actually requires a lot of energy and creates a lot of heat, whereas free-form aminos are actually just free-floating in a form that you can combine to create protein. So I can definitely doubly endorse that free-form or that uh, amino component of this product. It sounds fantastic. So yeah, thank you. I was excited when I was hearing you talk about it. And um, now self-elevation. Thank you. We've already... We've already really laid the groundwork for it. And I'll tell you that self-elevation is the practice of yoga. And by the way, that doesn't mean that you have to go to a studio and take a class. Any conscious, connected, pure time present act could be considered yoga. Yoga is a state of being. It's a frequency. And it's a state of being, again, the journey through the self to the self where you're deliberate and conscious about the breath, deliberate and conscious about your thoughts. Let me uh, let me start telling you some stories. How about that? In the form of the answer to the question, because everyone loves a good story. And I have plenty of stories to tell. And my stories are not about me. My stories are for you. So it's what I call sharing myself with you in the form of my life. And I'll tell you this one. There are many, many things that I've done. Done. With the body as the learning device for the mind in the practice of yoga. How about that? And if you kind of scroll through my history on whatever, Facebook and Instagram, you can start to see like, oh my God, right? Oh my God. I've done some of the deepest asanas in the history of all yoga of all time, (laughs) 5,000 years, all lineages. Like, I don't really even know what to say about this journey I've had, except that it's been pretty extraordinary. And I'm never trying to show you, for example, look what I can do. It's not about that. Um, When it comes to backbending, and I'm a little bit like the queen of the universe of backbending, I love to tell you, let me tell you what I've learned from doing it this way. Let me tell you what I've learned from doing it that way. And so the part that I'll tell you is this, is that I think, I think, as far as I know, that I hold uh, the world record for the world's longest backbend. And I want to, I want to tell you how that came to be and why it matters again, because my 
Stories are never about me. They're for you. Now, I was practicing and teaching a lot of original hot yoga, very, very, very young based practice, which means affecting change by contracting at the edge, like you you uh, lengthen an extremity at full length, full strength, and then more, right? In stillness against gravity again, so that you become as strong as you are flexible, as flexible as you are strong, and they both increase together and so on and so on. But then I started moving into a very, very, very yin-based practice. And that means affecting change by surrendering at the edge, where the ingredient, the magic uh, ingredients are time and relaxation. And immediately I recognized that this is not just a matter of doing different postures and holding them for different amounts of time. This is an an entirely different consciousness with which you conduct your practice. So I said to myself, hmm, what if I were to conduct a very yang posture with a very yin consciousness? I thought, how long, for example, could I hold a wheel? which is where you just basically lie down on your back, bend your bend your hands, your arms, and place your hands and bend your knees and place your feet, nice inhale, exhale, and you push into a wheel shape off the floor. So now you're in a back bend on the floor. And I thought, hmm, how long could I hold that? Well, in class, a long hold would be about now, uh, would be about one minute. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go for three minutes. So I just kind of picked a number out of thin air, set my clock, and I held it for three minutes. And it seemed really, you know, challenging, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, game on, like, let's go. I, I did three, I could do five for sure. So I kind of, the next day went to it, did five, and then the fire was lit and I was all about it. So I knew I was going to kind of like train my way to 10 minutes uh, at first, train my way to 10 minutes. And so as I was doing this, not all in one day, but as a process, after about um, seven minutes into this wheel, my mind started telling me, you can't, you're done, come out, that's long enough. Except that I was really equipped with some knowing that we are not our thoughts and our thoughts are not true. And so when my mind at the seven minute mark said to me, you cannot hold this anymore. You have to come out. I disregarded the thought and I started just giving myself what I'm going to call some permissions. I started to shift the body weight just to relieve kind of the, the load uh, from the lower body, from the upper body, from the right to the left, maybe relax my neck, face my breath, listen to some music, breathe. And lo and behold, the clock went off at 10 minutes, three minutes later, three minutes from the time when my mind said, you can't, I was still in it. That for me was good enough proof that we are not our proof, proof, experiential proof that we are not our thoughts and our thoughts are not true. And so the first thing I want to say to you, listeners Listeners, listen to me right here, right now. You are not your thoughts and your thoughts are not true. And when they tell you that they can't, they are not telling you the truth, right? So the body will do virtually anything that the muscle, that the mind commands. Um, Every cell of the body is under the command of the neuroplasticity, send the command from the brain through the spine without the thought obstruction. And of course, we're going to do that with a lot of self-compassion and a lot of breath. 
right? So it's the way you practice. We're not here to punish ourselves. But again, it's that body is a learning device for the mind. So once I held that for 10 minutes, I wrote a long blog on it. And I remember in that blog, I said, felt like I was doing that wheel on the fault line of a 7.5 earthquake with spinal fluid dripping out of my third eye, all of my muscles trembling. But when I was done, I was stoked. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm going for an hour. <laughs> I'm going for an hour now. I Anyway, I, I kind of like trained it and trained it and trained it. And eventually I held a wheel for an hour and I'm going to call it an hour plus just to make sure that I didn't short myself. That's filmed on video, posted all over social media and all the things. And so, but the bottom line is that the answer to the question is that self-cultivation leads to service. And that's a really good example of what I'm going to call self-cultivation. So I'm going to call it really connecting to yourself on every level of being, the level of the mind, the level of the body, the level of the breath, therefore the level of the spirit. So it's that journey through the self to the self and the self-realization that comes with it. Now, the type of yoga that I um, have primarily come through uses a mirror and the mirror is not just so that you can check your gross you know four corners to make sure everything is level and square to help with your balance but actually far far more importantly to actually look straight into your own eyes and to be able to i'm going to call it see yourself in your entirety and by the way, without self-loathing, without self-judging. So in order to be able to just accept yourself, by the way, this version of you, exactly as you are in this moment, um, so that you actually can be more accepting of others, be compassionate with yourself. And by the way, this version of you, not a previous version, not a future version, so that you can learn to be more compassionate with others. So self-love, self-acceptance, self-compassion, pure time presence and connection on every level of being to the self and to others through the self. And again, there it is through the breath. These are all ways that we elevate our own lives. And again, something I've already alluded to, and that is being more consciously deliberate about, oh boy, gosh, now you got us into chakras about thoughts, words, and actions in your life, being more in integrity and more aligned to a higher self-perception, a higher perception of yourself. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. We have a self-perception that becomes our projection and then the creation of our lives. So by doing this work, this is probably the most important answer I've given you so far is that by elevating our own self-perception, and by the way, that does not mean inflating the ego, it means connecting to who we are in truth. Um, and all the things I've talked about, the journey through the self to the self, using breath, using the body as the learning device for the mind, learning to cultivate the five aspects of mind and the ways that concentration facilitates meditation, which facilitates transformation. And that equips you to use the pillars of the non-judgment, non-attachment, non-reaction, non-resistance. You can see that all of this is a higher way of being, and it comes from a higher self-perception. And 
that's what I call self-cultivation. And I do know that the next question that's coming is how do we elevate basically the lives of others and humanity? And the answer is inherent in this answer. Self-cultivation leads to service. So when I am a higher version of myself, then I become an observable truth for others to bear witness to and do the same. It's that thing about giving permission to others just by virtue of your being. So when others are like, oh, oh, I see. And by the way, like I can sense that. I can feel that. I can see that. And I can see how I put myself through it unnecessarily, all the thoughts that are unnecessary that are, you know, jerking me around and, you know, uh, ruling my life. And I can be free from that. I can be free from anger. I can be more connected and again, grounded, centered, seated. And so when we do it for ourselves, not only can we come from a place of, I know who I am in truth and therefore I know who you are in truth and that's who I speak to. Even, and especially if you yourself don't know yet and don't believe it yet, that'd be a huge conversation to have. I think I'd like to save that um, if we could reserve, you know, five minutes toward the end, I think I'd like to use that as an expression. Okay, that's awesome. And that's, that, that was a whole lot to unpack that my audience have heard me or seen what, what I've talked with many guests and many things over the years. And a couple of takeaways I really have from that, that I really love my audience to focus on is that once you're, once you elevate yourself, you now become a person of service. You know, like, you know, if you, when, Let's say you go to Publix or somewhere and you eat an ice cream and you're like, oh, my God, this ice cream is so good. I got to tell everybody. Or you go watch Netflix and you watch a show on Netflix and then like you just want to tell everyone. Right. Well, that's how it works kind of a way when you're self-elevated, when you feel so much better than you ever felt before and you are released from a lot of these negative thoughts and negative things that you've been dealing with. You just want to help others. I mean, think about I think about so many other podcasters who who um who have changed their lives and the, the reason why they have a podcast is not because they make a lot of money. I know a lot of podcasters who barely make anything off podcasting, but they do it because they just want to share their journey with others. And I think about my fit fam. I always call them my fit fam in the gym or even on Instagram and we meet and we connect and, you know, we, we motivate each other, you know, and we push each other and, you know, because they know how fitness and health has transformed their lives. I know how it's transformed my life. We push each other. When we go into the gym and we see somebody there for the first time, a lot of times they say, you know what? I don't look like that guy. I don't look like that woman. They're probably judging me. No, no. We're more likely to push you and motivate you and want you to be better. The judgment is all in here. Like you're literally, like you're saying, you see yourself in the moment. You're judging yourself because you don't look like someone who's been doing this for the last 20 years, right? So yeah. you're judging yourself. But when you start to connect and have these discussions with people, you're like, wow. They really weren't judging me. They're actually making me want to come back to the gym. And everybody who is judging you, then that shows that they are on, they have their issues that they really have to deal with. And you have no control over that. But again, it's, it's, it is difficult because we are human, but it's, we, we don't, it's, we can't always just react and hold on to the negative things that come around us because we know that the, 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 the effects that it can have on our health, which, it leads me to the last question. 
of the day. And we really, I would actually kind of summarize this for my audience. And then you, if you want to talk, do plug in that last five minutes that you just mentioned. So over the years, you've done so many things. You've helped so many people transform their lives. So what would, what you say would be the most powerful lessons that you have learned in that time frame? Ah, uh, thank you. I think that everything I've spoken into is the culmination of one some total most powerful lesson. Uh, that the body is the learning device for the mind. There's nothing that you cannot be or do or have when you understand the power of our greatest potential as humans is our ability to set an intention and be deliberate about the creation of it. So these are all the ways that I've spoken to it. So really connecting to your power, connecting to your truth, and having the ability to come from love and feel safe to say. So even more than just the example you gave, which is you're excited about something, and so you want to tell people about it. Well, the most important thing you can be excited about is your own truth and your own authenticity. So in the way that we share and we share and we share, we're not really sharing just, you know, um, a great product. We're sharing ourselves in its most authentic version in its highest form. And that is a life that is fully expressed on every level of being, on the level of the mind, through the outpicturing of the consciousness, on the level of the heart, the feelings, emotions, the spirit, in the case of a relationship, the body being the natural response of the connection on all the other other levels. So being loved for your expression in, in its most authentic truth and its highest form, that's that's a life that's fully expressed, that's fully lived. Yeah, most authentically and in, in its highest expression. That's what we're really doing here. <laughs> love that. Love that. And that's extremely true. And yeah, I, I love that you elaborating on where I was leaving off there because you're definitely right on we're sharing a piece of ourselves. I did an episode where um, this was weird. I was actually being interviewed on my own podcast and oh. uh, she was diving into my mind and she wanted me to give her a something that I'm struggling with. And it was basically like psychoanalyzing me on the entire episode. And I had people re um, reach out to me and say, how do you feel being so vulnerable on the episode? Like, was there any fear, any doubt? Like, you know, and I said, I said, honestly, I felt okay. I didn't even think about it because everything that I do with my health, everything that I do with by podcasting and connecting with people on my Instagram, my social, so on and so forth, is all sharing a piece of my journey, a piece of myself. That's why I'm so relaxed when I do my interviews. That's why I, I, I make stupid jokes that some people may not even find funny, but to me, it's hilarious. You know, it's just who I am. And I share, I talk the way I talk and I act the way I act and I don't apologize for it. And that's, you know, I remember one of my colleagues, uh, Put, posted something I think it was on TikTok or Instagram and it was like Mr. Bean dancing and and he was dancing out in public I don't know I'm I'm old enough to remember Mr. Bean I don't know how many of my audience are old enough to remember Mr. Bean but he was just dancing goofy and people were walking by him looking at him like what's this guy doing and she said there in the caption this is when you don't you 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 don't no longer care how people feel about you and this is how liberating it can be right that liberation, that great. And you just want to share a piece of yourself and help others and bring them into something that is probably better for them. But with that being said, we're getting ready to wrap up, Kim, but I don't want to do your disservice because you did say that you want to, for the last few minutes, 
do. I think it was, uh, you want to talk about chakras, I believe. So go ahead. Um, lay yeah, on yeah, no, not chakras. I think that this will be what I'm going to call the sum total of my life's learning on a spiritual path through the path of yoga. And I want everyone to put what I'm going to call shields up right now, because I'm going to give you an experience that is in complete contrast, complete polarity. And what I want to show you is how harmful judgment is. And when you talk about elevating all of humanity, I want to show you that what's required is the absence of judgment. I call it field of trust with no judgment. And that means the type of love of humanity of having being seated in the, in the third eye chakra. So shields up right? Don't receive this energy. This is for demonstration only. So you and I, we have each other's eyes. And I'm gonna, I don't, I don't normally start this way. So I'm not sure why I'm doing it this way, but shields up. Here's the judgment that happens in humanity. When I see you, I see you as damaged and broken And when you see me, you can see me seeing you as damaged and broken. And when you see me seeing you as damaged and broken, now you see yourself as damaged and broken. And when you see yourself as damaged and broken, now you see me, my damage and my brokenness. That's the way most people live. And it starts with self-loathing. Remember, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are and we project it upon others. So now let me show you the importance of self-cultivation, of self-love, of self-acceptance. Because we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And we project our self-perception upon others. So now everyone, 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 give me your eyes. Give me your heart, your presence. When I see you, I see you as love. And when you see me, you see me seeing you as love. And when you see me seeing you as love, you can see yourself as love. And when you can see yourself as love, you can see me as love. And this is one of the most important ways we can elevate all of humanity and it starts with doing it for ourselves the journey through the self to the self self cultivation leads to service yeah thank you self cultivation leads to service i mean if there's anything that i really want to leave people with is like self cultivation leads to service that's absolutely fantastic you said something else earlier that i can't remember anymore it's um is it concentration leads to meditation and meditation leads to what was the last piece transformation transformation so i use the word facilitates concentration facilitates meditation because remember anything that brings the energy into the spine and then up through the spine so concentration literally but- mm-hmm 
facilitates meditation, which facilitates transformation. Love it. So those are the two things that we're definitely going to leave you with among the, all the wonderful tools that we got in this episode. And with that being said, one last thing, Kim, let my audience know, how can they learn more about your work or reach out to you? Yeah, thank you. All roads lead to kimtangyoga.com. It's pretty simple. All the things yoga, all the things spirit, all the ways you can learn from me online, and all the ways you can learn from me in person. I'm easy to find Kim Tang Yoga on any platform. And what a what a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you for having me. And I'm so happy to ask all of my viewers to that view this podcast to go on to your platform follow like share subscribe thank you so very much for having me thank you so much for being here kim this is a fantastic episode like i said i i set it up in the beginning i try not to over promise and under deliver but i think this time i hit it on those i think i actually under promise and kim over deliver that's why we make such an awesome team now, of course, her website, kimtangyoga.com, is going to be in the description of the, in the show notes. I apologize. And the show notes are going to be zikahel.com slash kimtangyoga. You know, I was going with that. You know, I was going with that. The show notes are going to be in the description of the episode. Just like everything else, you click on, you click on it, get access to learn more about Kim, get access to the website, and let's start improving our lives. Thank you for being here, fam. Namaste. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.